Okay, well, welcome everybody to this episode. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Leo Sabo from United States of America in beautiful Texas. And uh, he is the president of the Christian Stewardship Network, uh, a ministry that I uh, stumbled upon, oh, it must be three or four years ago now when I came to one of their events over in Dallas. Uh, and that was fantastic uh, encouragement uh, to me. And so I thought it'd be great to have Leo on the channel so we can uh, talk about stewardship and in particular discipleship. So thanks, Leo, for being with us today. Yeah, real pleasure. Thanks, Alex, for inviting me. Excellent. Well, look, tell us about yourself, your background, and of course, the, the Christian Stewardship Network that you're uh, leading in the US. Yeah, uh, I'd be happy to. So first, uh, I'm a husband of one wife. Uh, my wife, Natalie, she's an <laughs> educator. She's been teaching for about 16 years, so looking forward to retirement in the next few years. So that's that's her, uh, her passion, teaching. Uh, I'm also a father of two <laughs> girls, uh, both grown. Uh, Rachel is my oldest, Courtney's uh, the younger. Uh, and they're both married uh, to two great son and sons-in-law, uh, Rudy and Cody. And then I have four grandchildren. Uh, the first one was a girl, three boys. Huh. And now I've got one more granddaughter coming in a couple of months. Uh, and so wow. it'll be five grandchildren, which is pretty amazing. Fantastic. So that's, that's me personally. Yeah. Uh, and then as far as, uh, you know, my, my journey, kind of where I am today, uh, you know, I've always been a gearhead. So I started out my first uh, career uh, coming out of college was as an aircraft mechanic. And I did that for 16 years for a major airline. That's what actually brought my wife and I to Texas. And then for the past 20 years, I've been discipling others in biblical stewardship. It's something I fell in love with as I was learning how to be a steward myself, uh, went through the discipleship process myself, um, a lot of years of studying that, and then just became very passionate about it. And I've been serving uh, as a full-time stewardship leader for the last 16 years, and specifically over the last three and a half years with a Christian Stewardship Network. And Christian Stewardship Network is, um, is an organization, it's a nonprofit ministry that started probably about 24 years ago, uh, officially. Uh, we, we were incorporated around 2006, but it started, it had its roots a few years earlier. And as this whole movement, movement of stewardship leaders uh, right. has kind of emerged, it really started with grassroots, just a, a couple of guys getting together and talking through, how do I do this job as a stewardship leader? Uh, and 20 years ago, when I got into this, uh, there was a very few stewardship pastors that I knew. In fact, in the whole uh, uh, area of Dallas, which is pretty big, I only knew of one stewardship, actual stewardship pastor. And actually his role was wow. like, uh, it wasn't even stewardship, it was called something else, but he literally was a stewardship pastor. And later on, he actually ended up hiring me uh, to work as a stewardship pastor, which was kind of neat. But I've been doing oh, that fantastic. over the last, uh, yeah, I've been doing that for the last 16 years. And uh, really it's, it's a passion, it's a joy for me to get to uh, do what I do, uh, really love it. Uh, it's definitely a God thing. Awesome. Yeah, no, we love it when we hear people, you know, walking in their calling that God's got for them. So that's uh, that's fantastic. Well, um, obviously today we're talking about financial discipleship um, and uh, why it's so important. You know, both you and I are very passionate about this topic. So can you just, I guess, give a bit of a definition for what, you know, what do we mean when we're talking about discipling people financially? And the other thing to that is, you know, why is it so important? If, you know, if um, someone's a church leader watching this, why should they actually embrace this? Because to me, it's, it's huge, but I don't think often churches realize just how important it really is. Yeah, it, it really is very important. And I, I couldn't have said that 20 years ago, because I had no idea that the Bible said anything about money. Uh, I always thought, you know, as, as, as far as the church is concerned, about the only thing I've ever heard is, 
uh, about giving, right? You're supposed to give and support the church. And, and I believed in that. But outside of that, I didn't think the word of God said anything else regarding like how to actually manage money day to day. But, um, you know, the interesting thing is that Jesus actually talked quite a bit about money. In fact, the one of the things that Jesus did before he was sent into heaven is he told the disciples to share the gospel, right? The good news. And he told them to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then he also told them to teach uh, and to help them observe, right? These new converts, help them observe everything I have taught you. Mm. So the whole idea of discipleship is that you're learning as a kind of a, an apprentice, and then you pass that information on to the next set of stewards. And so Jesus gave us that mandate to, to teach people as disciples to make disciples and to teach them everything that he's taught us and everything we've learned. Well, you know, most of our education, obviously, we comes from God's word, right? We look to that as the truth and in, in what Jesus uh, has taught us through that. Jesus talked a lot about money. The Bible talks a lot about money. So that it's in there. Unfortunately, uh, most churches today have omitted that area of discipleship. Uh, I, I don't think mm. it's been intentional. I think it's been more of a, of a work that the enemy of, of kind of crowding this into uh, the whole idea of money and wealth kind of, creating a division and almost saying that that's that's a worldly thing we shouldn't talk about it in the church but it's silly because money is central to life right uh, money and wealth are at the center of our life today i don't think you can go a day without either working to make money or spending money or thinking about it or planning so it's right there it's absolutely like, how can we avoid something that's so central right we can't and i think that's the the that's why I'm so passionate about this is because I do believe that the church should take a primary role in educating people how to manage money. And pastors don't need to invent this. They, they just need to teach what's in the word. And the Bible has, you know, 2,350 verses that are specifically associated with money. And so there's a lot of content there for pastors to pull from. But that's what financial discipleship is, is teaching people God's word on money and wealth so that they can use money wisely. And then beyond that, mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it, the reason it's such an important thing, uh, Alex, is that wealth and riches, I believe, is the greatest barrier today to people fully committing to live for Christ. You know, mm. it's easy to say, I'm going to give my life to the Lord, right? You can walk up in front and say that prayer and then begin to go to church regularly and read your Bible. But, you know, what's really important is that you realize that when you make that commitment, if you look at Luke 14, Jesus said that, you know, think about this, count the cost. Don't, mm. don't mm. say you're a follower unless you're willing to give up everything, even it's your own total life, surrender. Right? Mm. It's total surrender. But yet so many Christians have gotten baptized with their wallet sticking out of the water, right? Mm. I mean, literally, they, they will give up everything. But when it comes to money, it's like, no, wait a minute. That's mm, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. And we see that. We see that in when you have a yeah. pastor teaching on money and how much opposition there comes to that. So it's definitely mm. a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual battle. Uh, the spirit of mammon, which is alive and well, especially in our uh, Western cultures, um, mm. he's, 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 uh, he's created some damage and has uh, brought people into a financial bondage. And that's really what we're fighting for, is for the freedom of God's people to live. Absolutely away from bondage and have that broken over them. And then of course, live fully for Christ. And I think you can't do that unless money is part of that equation, because how do you, how do you serve God and, and serve mammon? You can't, he said it, Matthew yeah. 6, 24. You can't. So, well, well, I think they, they the joke is there are three conversions, the head, the heart and the wallet. And in that, <laughs> and in that order. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, you know, 
a lot of the, and as you say, it's a barrier to, to people's spiritual development. If they haven't, mm-hmm. if the, the last one hasn't happened, if their wallet isn't being surrendered, then it's a massive barrier to their life yeah. um, going forward and their spiritual maturity and their growth as a believer. Yeah, I agree. Well, that was the case yeah. for me. I mean, I, I was trying to serve two gods. You know, I was trying to serve God on the weekends and trying to serve Mammon Monday to Saturday. And I didn't yeah. know I was doing that, but, but I definitely had a, uh, an unhealthy perspective on money and what it was, you know, what it meant to me, how it made me feel or look or present myself uh, among others, my success, all of that was related to yeah. finances. And yeah. God had to show me a way out of that. And that's why I'm so passionate about showing others a way out of that. Yeah, and I think the the key thing here is that what we're trying to establish and, and show leaders here is that it's not a peripheral issue. I think there's this there's often this thing in the church, you know, money is peripheral. It's not it's something. Yeah, okay, we need it to fund our church, etc. Uh, everyone, as you say, needs it in their daily life, but it's not peripheral. It, it's uh, something mm-hmm. peripheral to the gospel. When in fact, it's actually, as you said, it's a massive barrier. Yeah. to fully-fledged disciples and, and, in fact, converts in general. A lot of people have chosen the world over, uh, over uh, God because of money. So it's, yeah. it, it's, uh, it's central to uh, being able to proclaim the gospel effectively. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, if you think about um, the fact that the love of money, Jesus said, is the root of all kinds of evil. And if you look at the evil that's happening in our world today at any level, mm. um, you don't have to search very far to find out that the motivation, at least partially, if not most of the time, the major motivation is money. It's money, it's it's position, it's the control that money and power can give you. And that's something that Jesus knew. So when he talked about it, he really talked about a heart issue. You know, don't Mm -hmm. let your heart be deceived, right? He said that that the heart uh, is the, you know, where everything outflows from our heart, right? So if we don't, if we're not able to understand the wickedness of our heart, right? I think it was Jeremiah that said that the heart is wicked above all things who can understand it. Well, we need to understand that. It's not that we are evil. It's not that, that, you know, in Christ we are redeemed, but we still have to contend with the flesh every day. And the heart Mm -hmm. is that center of our, who we are that constantly tries to lead us away. And that's why stewardship and biblical stewardship and generosity are so central to a believer's life because it constantly brings us back to center to say, why am I doing this? Is this for me or is this me loving God through my life? Am I really serving God? Am I, am God. I living according to Galatians 2.20, which it says that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's in me. And that's, that's what's so important to not, not forget. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So look, where should churches start? You know, if we're talking discipleship and stewardship, where do they start on this journey? Because obviously for some of them listening, they may have avoided the topic. Some may have embraced it, not necessarily had success. What's the starting point? If you're a leader watching this thinking, okay, I get it. I've got to do something. What am I going to do first? What's the starting point for bringing this into your church? Yeah, that's a great question. I think every church should have a stewardship ministry or stewardship discipleship in the area of finances. And I think the it's not as hard as most people think it is. Now, it may be difficult to get started, but once you get it started, you'll find that this is one of those topics that people are very hungry for. You know, mm-hmm. here's the thing. The, the world consistently tries to lure us with the things that we buy. It's material things. It's, you know, it's shopping on Amazon. It's the dopamine rush that we get when we purchase things. 
But we know that that doesn't last. It's like being addicted, right? You know that there's a problem. You have this addiction and you want to kick it, but, but it's also attractive. So how do you kick the habit, right? How do you break this, this cycle? And the reality is that unless someone is walking you through a process of helping you to understand and then giving you step-by-step -step how to do it, then it's very difficult for you to do it on your own. So what, what I believe leaders, church leaders especially, uh, should do is first embrace a vision for financial stewardship, that it needs to be part of the discipleship process. It's not something you do just for a few people that maybe are in debt mm -hmm. or need budgeting help. No, it's really not a money issue. It's a heart issue. And if we can keep that at the center of our understanding that this is not a money issue, it's a, it's a heart issue. It's a relationship mm -hmm. issue and a commitment Critical. issue. If we do that and we put it at the center, then we can say, well, all right, then if we make it part of the discipleship, how do we do that? Well, we do it the same way we do it in any, any other topic. One, we preach on it. So I think there's two individuals in the church that need to be involved in this process of discipling people. One, it needs to be the senior pastor or the preaching pastor. Mm. The leadership needs to buy this, buy into this, and they need to make it part of uh, the discipleship process. If it comes from the leadership, then people say, okay, this is important to our pastor. It's important to God. It's important to me. But if the pastor never talks about it, then it must not be important. Or the church yeah. doesn't have anything to say regarding this topic. And that's actually not true, right? We know the scripture has mm -hmm. a lot to say about it. So I think the, the pastor needs to preach on it. And the way yeah. my, uh, my, my previous pastor used to say it is that preaching is imparting the burden, right? When I listen to the word of God on a weekend or a message that I'm hearing uh, when I go to church, the word of God is being given to me or portrayed or, or imparted to me in such a way that I am either convicted if I'm doing something wrong, or I am encouraged if I am on the right path. And it creates this desire in me to go deeper. So that's what a, that's what a weekend message is supposed to do. And that's to mm. impart this burden where you're like, man, I, I want to do, I want to do that. I want to be more Christ-like. I want to go deeper in this area. So that's the first part is the pastor needs to continue to teach on this because it is an issue that our heart deals with. And we need biblical answers. And that's what the pastor on the weekend can do. So I do believe that a pastor needs to teach this on a regular basis. Not every week, please don't do that. But occasionally, at least once a year, do a, a small series, maybe it's two or three, four weeks on finances. And it doesn't have to be budgeting. It just have to just look at the word. It's about the heart. Just speak to the yeah. issues that are in scripture. And then the second person that needs to be involved is someone that's really passionate about stewardship and about teaching people how to live that out. Because there's one thing about understanding God's word, right? Getting that burden. But then how do I live that out practically, right? If, if I mm -hmm. want to be a better husband, yes, uh, I'm going to listen to a message that, that tells me that I'm supposed to love my wife, right? It's, uh, I think it's Ephesians, Ephesians 5, right? You cling to your wife and you leave your parents, all of that. It's like, I, I believe that, I know that. But on a day-to-day, -day, when I'm frustrated, when kids are running around and things are difficult, how can I be a good husband? Well, I need to go further than just that message. I need someone to disciple me, to help me understand how to okay, be a better right. person. Yeah. But the same, yeah. this is the same for, for financial education, right? It's sorely lacking in our culture. Uh, and I think the church is better positioned to begin to share what that looks like. It's not, you know, it's, it's third grade, grade level math. It's not difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's but simple stuff. It, yeah. yeah, it's simple when it comes to the math. But people do need a system. They do need a way to get out of the bondage that they put themselves in. Often that's the hardest part. How do I go from, yeah. oh, you know, having not enough to having margin? Well, that's going to take some time. 
It's going to take some encouragement. Yeah. It's going to take some support. And I think those two individuals need to be present. And then, of course, the larger the church, then you can have a team that can help with that. Because there are people in our churches that would love to be part of those kind of ministries and impart that kind of wisdom. Because that's something they're passionate about. God has specifically geared them for that. And, and they will arise when you begin to share that vision. 100%. So that's, that's two. Yeah. So basically, we're talking about two key people, the pastor, and that's my experience too. Generous churches are led by generous pastors. So we need that. The, if the if the senior pastor doesn't own this and um, preach it and reflect it, you know, because I think people can tell when people are faking it. So I think, oh, yeah. uh, you know, oh, you've yeah. got to be really you've got to be the real deal. You, you know, mm -hmm. you truly believe in the stewardship message and, and that we're called to live generous lives. And I think when the senior pastor owns that, it, it will flow through. But as you say, you also need people with a gifting, whether it's, it's just a passion for it, but also, you know, ideally some skills they can impart it and get into more of the nitty gritty with people as well. So that's, um, right. that's critical. Um, just obviously there's in our in our Christian world, there's lots of large churches, there's small churches. Is there any distinction here in terms of how they're going to go about it? Because obviously I know you came out of a big church and you were the stewardship pastor. Most churches can't afford to have a solo, a solo stewardship pastor. How, how would a smaller church deal with that? Yeah, I think the process for building a stewardship ministry and, and having that discipleship in your discipleship process is similar. Uh, yes, some larger churches may have more resources, they may have larger teams, but they're also serving more people. So from a practical standpoint, as far as those key, you know, two key roles, they're, they're in that small church as much as they are in a large church. Now, in a large church, like I said, we, we may have a larger team at some point that's serving because we have a larger congregation, and that's just reality. We need to do that. But I think the process of, of developing and running the ministry is similar. Uh, what's important here is to understand that it's really not that difficult. It's really just understanding that people need to understand finances from God's word. They need the biblical and they need the practical. And then mm -hmm. we have to also understand that there are different types of people in our church and they're in different seasons on that journey, right? Life, yeah. uh, financial yeah. journey, life journey. So there's different things that are going to apply to me at this age of my life than someone that's, mm -hmm. let's say, in their 20s or someone that's in their 70s. So we need to be there as a ministry to be able to speak to those issues that they're facing. Let's, let's mm. just touch on two different groups, right? There are generally three different groups in the church. One is people who are struggling financially. They're the ones that are coming asking for financial assistance. We call them struggling. Then you have on the other uh, end of the spectrum, you have people that are surplus. These are business owners, uh, people that just make a lot more money and have a larger income. But bo mm. they both need... Uh, financial education. They both need to know so, how do I manage this wealth, whether it's a little or a lot. And then in the mm -hmm. middle right there is just people who are kind of the general, you know, typical white and blue collar workers that some of them are kind of overwhelmed by debt. Some of them have a little bit of margin. So they kind of fit that middle of solid to stable group. And every one of them needs some kind of education. So what assistance, I tell yeah. uh, pastors that when we're working with a church, what we're really trying to impart to them is that you need to consider these people because they do accept the information differently. They're not all, all at the same level. So you should have different uh, offerings for them. Uh, for mm. instance, for the people that are struggling, you really need to, it's, it's a high touch, high time relationship. You need to spend some time with them. You need to do some one-on-one -on -one coaching, but you also need to educate them. So starting them off in a biblical foundation, uh, a foundational, sorry, 
finding them, starting them out in a, a foundational, biblical foundational class, that's important, but it's also important for mm. everyone else, right? So I think you should have something that's very uh, foundational, very biblical, mm. all about the theology of generosity and stewardship. And then you can begin to develop or pull off the shelf different types of programs that will help people get out of debt or help people uh, save more, invest. There's other curriculum out there in the, in the stewardship yeah. space that will address those needs. But the, but the main thing, Alex, is that you have uh, a, an established ministry and it's weaved through as a discipleship offering. It's not something that you mm. do separately. Because if you do it separately, then people will literally say, well, that's where people go if they yeah. have financial problems. And I don't want to be problems. associated with financial problems. So people will not yeah. will stay away from it. And you will never reach the wealthy people that way because mm. they just don't think it's relevant to them. And I believe for them, it's more important that they understand God's heart related to money and wealth mm. because yeah. they have more opportunity to invest in God's kingdom. And God has resourced them that way for a reason. It's not just because they need mm. more money. No, uh, everyone Absolutely. can live a certain lifestyle. But what about the excess, yeah. right? Some of us are given- well, and there's an, an accountability, you know, the Bible says to whom much is given, much is expected. So no, exactly. they need to know that. They need to know that. They need to know that if God has blessed them in a financial sense and they've, they've got a surplus, they've actually got to use that for the kingdom. That's what God's given it to them for. That's right. So that, there's an expectation on them. So, yeah. yeah. That, look, that's, that, that's fantastic. That's really a great way to think about it. Um, so... If a church leader is thinking, okay, this is good, I can start to see myself on this journey here, what are sort of the fruits they're going to expect to see from this kind of uh, ministry once they've really embraced it? Yeah, that's that's what's so exciting to me is when I share the vision for this, and we we at CSN do that in several ways. We have a workshop that we do. It's a one-day workshop that really helps pastors to to kind of get a vision for what is this about, and then is it supposed to be part of the church? And And then if it is, then how do we do it? So that's what this whole workshop is about. It's called Stewardship Impact. And the purpose of CSN is really to impart that vision and then come alongside the church and the leader that's going to serve in that role, both the pastor, but also the stewardship leader, and resource them and encourage them as they build that out. Because it's going to take time. Any ministry worthwhile is, is going to take time to build and make effective. But at the end of the mm -hmm. day, what we're really doing is we're helping people to become financially free. And by that, I mean mm -hmm. that they are, not, it's not necessarily that they, you know, they don't have to work anymore. I'm not talking about that. Financial freedom is really having a biblical understanding of money and wealth and managing it faithfully. That's really the, mm -hmm. all we, we're really told to do is that a steward is just supposed to be faithful. It doesn't matter how much God gives us. We, we all get a different amount based on different factors. You know, sometimes it's a family mm. we're growing up in. Sometimes the opportunities that we have. Some are called to business. Some are called to be just a regular, you know, white collar or blue collar worker. All of that is worthwhile and all of that still requires stewardship. So, mm. but what we don't want is our people to be, to have this division in their heart. You know, I have my work life and then I, there's ministry. Right? Mm. And, and sometimes I've seen very gifted people who are all to the marketplace, who feel like they're not doing a good job in the marketplace and they need to move over to full-time ministry. And I just want to yeah. scream from the rooftop. It's like, please don't do that. God has equipped you with the ability to create wealth. He's given you the ability to, to create jobs and to create products and, and, and you know, do business. And that's your gifting. And you can have an eternal impact in that. In fact, that's what you're mm -hmm. supposed to do. 
So I believe the fruit that a church will have is one, that people will become financially free. They'll have a healthy relationship with money. And then they'll begin mm. to use that money to build God's kingdom, to do eternal things. And that doesn't mean that you mm. give it all to the church. No, it mm. means that you support the church. The church is important, yes. But beyond that, God will lead each one of us on how to have a fulfilled and purpose-filled life. He's going to speak mm. to us. He's going to guide us. But without good stewardship, it's hard for God to move us in a direction. It's hard for him to say, leave that job and go do this when we have too much mm. debt and too much yeah. you know, obligation and we can't walk away from it. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. unfortunate. But, but I think that's the thing that pastors need to grab onto is that the fruit will be both spiritual and also practical, meaning that their families mm. will be better. They'll be better volunteers. They'll be better uh, church members. Uh, the church yeah. funding should not be an issue. Right, God, you know, Jesus said, I will build my church. And somebody said this to me recently. He says, you know, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. I love that phrase. It's simple, <laughs> but it basically means that, listen, if God's calling you to do something, and what pastor can say that God didn't tell him to build a church? I mean, if God didn't tell yeah. you to build a church, you need to shut it down today. But if, <laughs> if God gave you a vision, right? If God gave you a vision to start a church, it was with the full intent of supporting you. It's not on you to, to raise the finances. It's not on you to, to make sure people are giving. It's your part to just yeah. do your role. What's your role? Well, to teach and preach the word, right? Feed and disciple your people. And if you do that, especially in the area of finances, people will respond. You know, when I became financially free, when I got rid of all the debt, when I paid off my house and I had margin, my first inclination, my first thought was, how can I do more? You know, and how can I give more? How can I support more ministry? It wasn't yeah. like, how can, I, how can I build my lifestyle? Like, no, I had been cutting my lifestyle and keeping it at a certain level because I wanted to be content. I wanted to find that place where I can do things that really do give me fulfillment and joy. And listen, buying stuff mm -hmm. never made me happy. For the moment, yeah. But in the end, I was always miserable. I was searching for the next thing. And I'm like, I can't live my life this way. So it's what drove me to say, well, there's a better answer. And then when God revealed it to me, I realized, God's purpose for us is to use money and wealth, but it's to use it for kingdom purpose. In fact, if you look at Luke 16, Luke 16 is such a wonderful scripture because it talks about the, the parable of the unjust manager, like dishonest manager. And here's a guy who is doing wrong things. The master basically says, hey, give an account, right? Something we're all going to have to do. And when mm -hmm. he comes to give an account, he realizes I'm going to get fired. He's gonna, he knows what I've done. I'm, I'm going to have to report it and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be known. So he knows he's going to get fired. So he starts making deals with all of the master's uh, creditors, right? And the, the people that owe the master different, different uh, things. So he starts making deals with these guys. Why? Because he wanted to make friends so that when he's fired, he's got a place to go. He's got people he could do business <laughs> with. Well, here's the thing that Jesus says in verse 9. He says, actually, the master commends him for the shrewdness with which he acted. Not mm. because he was dishonest, but because he was shrewd. And then... The, Jesus says to the disciples, just to the disciples, because there's a crowd that's following him, but he only says it's the disciples. And he says, therefore, I tell you, use unrighteous mammon to make friends for yourselves so that when you fail, fail here means when you die, they mm. will receive you everlasting home. Now, if we break that down, that's very simple to understand. It means that we are supposed to use what unrighteous mammon is, is worldly wealth and money. We're supposed to mm. use this wealth to do what? To win friends. What does that mean? Well, it's to do what God wants to do. What did Jesus tell us to do? Get people into the kingdom, right? Tell them the gospel, yeah. tell them the good Don't news, have them say yeah. yes. Exactly. So God's heart is to redeem all humanity. 
And he's, he's, ask, he's not telling us, he is inviting us to be part of that process. And then he's mm -hmm. entrusting us with wealth, especially those of us who live in the United States and in some of these, you know, first world countries, right? Countries, uh, Western. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have the wealth. We are the rich. When Paul talks about the rich, he's talking about mm -hmm. us and what he's saying. And, and this is, you know, if you look at us as far as, uh, especially in the United States, if you look at us across all other countries and all other, you know, we are the wealthy, we are the top 1% or 5%, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call us. So because he's given us wealth, he has a desire for us to use it for the right reason and for what he wants, which is to redeem more people. So that's what's beautiful about this is that we get to co-labor with God, right? He doesn't need us. He chose to yeah. invite us into this work. And I don't it's know awesome. of anything more rewarding than to see people come to Christ or to see people, uh, people's families get healed and to see relationships get healed, all because you use money, something that's going to burn up and be not going to be around, you know, after, after the, uh, this world. And so it's such a privilege that we have. And I want people and I want pastors, especially to understand that's the fruit you're really talking about. You're talking about souls mm -hmm. being one to Christ. You're talking about the kingdom of God expanding and it's with a trivial thing, money. But yet mm -hmm. right now it's the thing that masters over people rather than people mastering it. And that's what we need to change. It's fantastic. I love it. I'm, I'm getting inspired just uh, sitting here listening to you. I've got to get out there and do it more. <laughs> uh, look, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And uh, as you say, it's powerful. This, this is mm -hmm. transformative. You'll transform families. You'll transform your church. You'll transform people's relationships with God himself. Uh, and you'll just bear enormous fruit by mm -hmm. building this uh, for your church and for ultimately for God's kingdom. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. And the, the good thing for pastors to understand, one thing I want to add here, Alex, is yeah. one thing pastors need to understand. I know they're always under the pressure of, do we have enough resources to do what we need to do, what God's given us to do? When you put this as a priority, when you really just focus on serving people and teaching them and discipling them in this area, the fruit of this, in a practical sense, will be more money coming into the kingdom and more Absolutely. money will be given to your church. So you will have to have a bigger vision to accomplish yeah. everything God's given you to do. Uh, there won't be a problem with the finances. Uh, but unless you yeah. do that, I just don't see people really learning that on their own. They need help. Mm. Awesome. Look, just on a slightly different topic here, just to sort of finish off, you know, obviously the world's become more unstable, particularly in recent years with COVID and with, um, you know, now we've got inflation roaring around the world at close to 8 to 10%. Uh, interest rates are spiking. So there's now this sort of, um, you know, cooker you know, people are getting, starting to get, the financial pressure is really starting to build. So you can sort of see that this could get uglier. What can churches do to sort of prepare for this? How can we use this time wisely? Because I tend to think of hard times as an opportunity uh, for the gospel. How can we, how can we maximize that? Yeah, I, I do believe, Alex, that we are headed for more difficult times. We've had difficult times in the past, and what I've seen that every time things become difficult, especially in the area of finances, when the economy, you know, we look at 2006, 2007, 8, and as that was progressing, we saw a lot of people uh, really being drawn back to the basics, right? Saving, mm -hmm. being wise with money. So we tend to do that. As a people, uh, not much has changed, you know, from when we read about the people in the Bible and us, we can so easily relate because we're very yeah. much the same. Nothing new under the uh, sun is as human nature. Yeah. yeah. And so, so part of what we need to understand is that sometimes those opportunities 
whether God's bringing it upon us or we're bringing it upon ourselves, I think it's a little bit of us doing the wrong things. And then, of course, we have to, uh, we, we get to the, the consequences. Yeah. yeah. And, but, but what's wonderful about that is that God's grace is always, it, you know, it says that his graces and mercies are new every morning. And I believe that's true for every person, even those that right now are denying him. And so what the church has the opportunity to do in these difficult times is to become the beacon, to be that city on a hill that people could be drawn to. So when our message is truth, not, not the relative stuff that we hear on social media and in the news, but the actual truth, the stuff that when we hear it, it just resonates at the core of who we are. And we're like, yeah, that makes sense. That's true. And this, these principles that we learn from God's word about finances, they are different than the world's view of things. Right. Uh, you know, God's word says that teaches us about making money, about spending money, about saving debt, investing. When we do a God's way, when we look at these principles in God's word, which give us the understanding of how to engage with these kind of principles. Right. If I'm going to invest and if I do it biblically, if I read these scriptures and there's not a ton of them, but there's enough to, to paint a very clear picture of the right way and the wrong way. And if somebody comes to us and offers us some kind of, you know, no lose investment deal, we're like. No, I, I don't think so, because we have the truth. And so my point is that the church can be that place where people can come and receive godly wisdom, biblical wisdom, that can mm -hmm. keep them from the harm. So, you know, can we do something right now? Yes, because the opportunity is that people are more inclined to listen now than they were, and they will gradually become even more inclined as things get tougher. So that's why I think it's important that we are aware of what's going on in our world so that we can bring the truth into those dark places. And then that way we Absolutely. can help people to break free and to, to really, because at the end of the day, here's, here's the truth. I don't, I don't know anyone that could ever say that they have enough. I mean, look at mm. the billionaires that are, that, are, that are all over the world now. We, we know them by name. We, we follow them. We listen to their advice, right? They're all over the place. But yet, no matter how much money they have, none of them say it's enough. No. The human heart will never be satisfied. They don't stop. With the, they never stop. It'll never stop. So, we have to understand that. We also have to understand that we have the ability to help people become content. It's not something we are born with. It's not something we are endowed with powers to do. It's something we have to learn. How do we do that? We learn it because we understand God's word. We understand how to apply it. And then we are in relationship with God. So he can help us to see things as they are. And so it's that wisdom and it's that presence of the Holy Spirit that helps us to, to find contentment. You know, my wife and I have been this journey on this journey of managing money God's way uh, since 1995. So it's been nearly 30 years for us. And I can tell you that there's a vast difference in how we taught back then and how we think today. And over the last 30 mm. years, in fact, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, we bought a smaller house. We downsized. We didn't have to. Our house was paid for. But mm. we felt like God was calling us to a certain lifestyle. So we said, well, it feels like this lifestyle is getting a little bit too expensive. The taxes mm. were going up. The maintenance on the house was more than we wanted to. So we wanted to bring that down. Why? Because we wanted to have more margin. We wanted to feel mm. comfortable and not feel stressed. And so I believe that's something that every single person can experience. God can mm. teach you at what level of lifestyle he wants you. He will give you the resources to be at the right lifestyle. But, but that again, that requires discipleship. It requires understanding. It requires understanding God's word. And then it requires being in relationship with others that are also battling these same choices. So that mm. when we're buying a car, when we're buying a house, when we're choosing the right career, it's, it's God-led, not just you know, worldly-led, meaning I'm not just looking at the world and making decisions based on where it's going to put me in the pecking order. 
No, I'm looking to God. God, what do you want for my life? Because if I can mm-hmm. pursue that, I know I'm going to be fulfilled. I know I'm going to be happy. Um, and that's really what we, we as believers should be pursuing, his will and his ways. And that's what stewardship ministry and, dis- and generosity discipleship can really do is because it'll fight directly against this pull of the culture that's so strong and help us to find a life of contentment and fulfillment. And that's when we're there, man, we can have some incredible impact to the people around us, our families, and those that God puts us in relationship with. Fantastic. Look, it's been awesome talking to you today, uh, Leo. Uh, Some great nuggets of wisdom there. And uh, look, I think, as you say, if churches embrace this, they will transform people's lives, their families, their communities, and it will be a great uh, result for God's kingdom. So, look, really thank you for sharing your wisdom. It's been uh, great to have you on the show. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, I always like to speak and to connect with stewardship leaders like yourself, um, just you know, one heart, one mind. Uh, and I think it's so neat that God is raising up an army of people like us because it's so needed in our, our culture today. So I just want to speak to that person that may be listening to this and maybe you feel a draw to be more involved in this kind of ministry. And listen, it's not about becoming a stewardship pastor necessarily, unless God specifically says, that's what I want you to do. But it is about realizing that your, uh, your maturity in this area, your wisdom, your knowledge can be imparted to someone else. And whether you do that with family members or friends or people at work, um, you need to share it. You need to embrace this and you need to let others know that this is, this is God's way of doing it. And I think that's such a powerful thing that we can all do. So I do encourage those that are listening that may be feeling that tug uh, to, to find ways that you can volunteer and you can engage in this ministry. Uh, it's, it's so, so fruitful, so rewarding to see people uh, have that, that experience of breaking free and seeing how that really affects their whole life. It's just amazing. Yeah, awesome. Well, once again, Leo, thank you for being on the show. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. And you, God Alex. bless you. So, yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. Hey there, just a quick intermission during this episode. Just want to say, hey, please subscribe to this channel. We're trying to reach as many people across the globe with the biblical financial wisdom. There's so much the Bible has to offer. So help us by subscribing to this channel and we can help reach as many people with biblical wisdom. So thanks for watching. God bless.